Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 1 through 6, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 34 through 43, the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 28, verse 1 through 10, and Psalm 118, verse 1 through 2, and 14 through 24. God, grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Please be seated. All right, you all have heard the Bible stories a lot. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? being dead and Jesus raises Lazarus up from the dead. You've been there. You've heard the story. Jesus' dear friend Lazarus is dead and he's been dead for a couple of days and Jesus shows up to the grave and he raises Lazarus from the dead and there's this miraculous moment. I mean, it's all miraculous, of course. It's Jesus doing his Jesus thing. But he has them roll away the stone and then Lazarus comes forth out of the grave alive. This man who has been dead is alive, and and here he is, and it's kind of amazing. And all of Jesus' disciples have seen this, and all the people who know Jesus well have seen this and have heard this. So you can imagine when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, by the way, I'd love to be in the Bible as like the other Philip. That's great, okay? (laughs) That's fine. Separate issue. We'll put that over there. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary go to the grave, and by the way, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary They are disciples of Jesus. Not sure if you knew this. We talk about the 12, and there are 12 male disciples that are called the 12. It's very special. But there are women who are all around Jesus' ministry. In fact, they're the ones who do not abandon him, if you read the story. They're there at the cross, and they're the first to show up in the grave in all four accounts. Anyway, so Mary and the other Mary, who are disciples, who have seen Jesus' miracles, they show up to the grave prepared to honor him and to care for his body, prepare it for burial. And right when they show up, there's this great earthquake and the stone is rolled away. We have a little bit of comic relief where the angel is kind of sitting on top of the stone. You can see the angel sort of swinging their feet and being like, hey, how's it going, guys? Right? What are you looking for? And in that moment, this is the moment. The stone is rolled away. And the dead shall walk and come forth alive. And they just stand there. And nothing happens. Jesus does not come out. Is he still dead? Is he sleeping in? What's going on? And then the angel says, Oh no, it's empty. He's gone already. And they go and look, and of course, sure enough, he is. And they run off to tell the twelve, and they actually encounter Jesus on the road. He is risen, he is risen indeed. There he is. But it makes you wonder. If he was already gone by the time the stone was rolled away, why bother with all the theatrics? What's with the earthquake and the angel hanging out? What's with that stone being rolled away so magnificently? Who's that for? It's not for Jesus. Jesus has already risen. 
It's not like the stone rolls away and he goes, oh, thank God I was really getting tired of being in there. He's gone. So who is the, why is the stone rolled away? Well, the stone is rolled away so that we can see that it's empty. The stone is rolled away by God, not for Jesus' benefit, but for ours. Now, when we think about that, we slow down and we start to think about all of Jesus' work. Who's it for? It's all been for us. You know, God, God could have saved the world any old way that God wanted to. God's God, you see. I mean, if you were the one who created all things that ever were, ever are, and ever will be, you kind of get to set the rules for how things work. It's one of the perks of being God. Tons of responsibility, but you get a say-so in things, right? God could have saved the world. God could have brought us into healing and reconciliation in so many ways. God chose to bind themselves eternally to humanity in Jesus Christ. Jesus is how God chooses to save us, to live among us, and to be with us. This is how God chooses to save the world, is by being among us. All of it is for our benefit. And then you start to think, what do Mary and Mary gain from this? What do they get? What's the benefit for them? They're going to see Jesus down the road anyway. What is the benefit of seeing this? You know, I think a lot about these disciples on Easter. How the first Easter, when they begin, they go into the day, not with hopeful expectation like you all did as you woke up this morning, but they came into this day grieving and hopeless. Not just because their friend had died, although their friend had died, and this is deeply painful. But we want to remember who Jesus was to them. Remember, Jesus wasn't just a, a friend. Jesus was a person who started a whole movement, genuinely. Jesus shows up in people's lives. And from the very beginning, he says, I am here to proclaim freedom to the captives. I am here to proclaim hope for the hopeless. I am here for the people on the margins of this society so that they know that this is God's favor upon them, that they belong to God fully and totally and utterly. And people gravitated towards Jesus, not just because he made them feel good, he said nice things to them. Gosh, you look good today. Did you get a haircut recently? I'm sure Jesus made people feel great when they got to see him. But it wasn't just how Jesus made people feel about themselves. It's about the possibility, the hope that he presented to them about who they were to God. You go through this life, you and me, we go through this life wondering what our part is in it. Wondering if we matter at all. Our lives are so small, aren't they? 
All the things that are so big to us, they feel so tiny when you take a step back and look and you wonder how significant you are and do you matter. And we're part of a world that often tells us we don't matter unless we make the right amount of money or have the right title or believe the right thing or have the right color skin, have the right amount in our bank account or have the right last name. There are so many conditions to being worthy in our world. And Jesus shows up and says, you belong to God as you are. And he starts a movement based on that reality. That the God who creates all things sees you and loves you and recognizes you as belonging just as you are. And Jesus tells people who are being absolutely cast from his society, people who are left out because of their sickness or simply because of their status in the culture, because by virtue of who they are, they don't belong. And Jesus says, you are blessed. Jesus says, you are part of God's plan. You are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You do not need to be fixed to be belong to God. You, as you are, belong. This doesn't just say something to them about how Jesus feels about them. This teaches people that the God who made all things made them on purpose. And a movement is formed. A people begin to follow Jesus. They begin to believe this is true. Not only about themselves, but if it's true about them, what does that mean for the whole world? They begin to live into the hope that God is acting to change this world, to make it more just and equitable for all, to make it a place where every single person, as they are, knows in their bones that they are valued, not just because they had a pep talk, but because they live in a community, in a world that is treating them as if it's true. And they start to work towards that. They share with Jesus in the healing of others. And we remember that when people are healed, they're not just made to feel better physically, they are re communicated. They're brought back into community. They're being made part of the body again. And so they're part of this movement that's doing this. And then it's so powerful, it scares people. The empire is terrified of Jesus and the Jesus movement. And the religious leaders of Jesus' time are terrified of the implications of unconditional love and what it will mean if we actually all start believing it. And so they kill Jesus. And the movement is dead. It's over. We follow this person who teaches us that we completely belong to God and this whole world is in God's hands and that we get to participate in the healing of the world and then in one day, he's gone and it's gone and we're back to wondering if we ever mattered at all in the first place. We're back to feeling small and insignificant. We're being scattered back to the margins and the fear and the dread of our worthlessness starts to creep back in. When that stone rolls away, 
When that stone rolls away and they see that Jesus is already gone because he is already alive and out in the world again doing the work, it is not just that their friend has been raised up. It is that the movement that Jesus began is not dead. The movement of creating a world where all people know that they belong and are beloved, that they have a place, creating a world where it's true. Oh, the movement towards that is not dead because Jesus is not dead. They belong, you belong, and I belong because of what Jesus has done and is doing. This world right now, this world right now, we are in, my goodness, interesting times. The division that we are seeing, the existential dread, and the fear, the people in our own culture and in others who on a systemic level are being told they are less than, they do not matter. The Jesus movement started with a much smaller number of people than this. The movement that terrified an empire and threatened to change the world for love was a much smaller movement than this right here. And Jesus is risen, the stone has been rolled away, and the tomb is empty. And if you think that all that means is that you get to go to heaven when you die, you are missing the big part of the story. Yes, yes, there is life after death. But right now, you need to know that there is life before death. That there is a life in God's heart where all people completely and totally belong And you and I are invited to participate in the movement that Jesus started. You and I are are invited to participate in the healing of others. You are not just here today to hear that God loves you, although God does love you and you do need to hear it. You are here today to be reminded that God loves you and now you get to take that love and take it out into the world that you've got to move. You are part of the Jesus movement. You are part of the group of people who are meant to head out into this world and remind people that the love of God is stronger than death and changes all things. You are part of the movement that is meant to scare the empire and the powers that be. Anyone that is telling people that they are less than, that they don't matter, that they'll finally matter if they become the right kind of person, we're here to terrify those people and to change the way the world sees each other. We're here to proclaim that God is present. God is active here and now for the reconciliation and healing of all things and all people. And then you and I, we We're invited to participate with God in the work. I joked about it earlier, but people always say to me, you know, like, oh, I'm going to come to church more often. 
you know. I mean, maybe you will and maybe you won't. I don't know. But will you make the decision to be part of a community that is founded in unconditional love? And will you allow that love to shape your life and your heart so that you can bring that kind of power into the world in Jesus' name? It's not about attendance. It's about the movement of God. The movement of God that happens within us here, but then it happens within us as a people. And it lives as he lives and as we live. And the love of God is our story. The love of God is our story. And now it is time for us to tell the world that story. Let's move. In Jesus' name.